iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Go on, say something. Well, how was your holiday then? Oh, yes, it's Jane Mulcairns. I'm Jane Garvey. That's the other Jane, Jane Mulcairns. This is off air in the absence of Wee who's still away because she's not that committed, really. Uh, is she ever she, coming back? No, I don't know. Well, they say next week. She's been managed out. I, I think, you know, it's mm. been a long time coming. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's been almost a year. <laughs> yes, it's been almost a year now. And they've, they've found her out. I knew they would. No, uh, Fee will be very much welcome back into the fold next week when I'm not here. And Jane, you won't be here either because Fee is going to be with a couple yeah. of showbiz pals. I know. It's, um, I yes. feel a little bit usurped, but, you know, I. Well, I, I'm actually. If I had to stand aside, sit aside mm. for anyone, I'm glad it's those two. Okay, you see, I said I don't want a showbiz pal. I want Jane Mulcahy, <laughs> and that's what I got. Basically, she spent all the budget on those two, well, and all you could do is get me up from said, downstairs. You said for free. that, not me. <laughs> uh, no, so Fee next week is going to be talking. I think on Monday it's Annika Rice. And then she's got Claire Balding, Claire Balding, Tuesday and Wednesday, and Annika Rice again on Thursday. So Claire finds herself in the unusual position of being the filling in a rice sandwich. In a balding rice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's the balding She's the balding in the rice sandwich. A yeah, bald filling in a rice sandwich. <laughs> and Fee will be keeping control. Yeah, I'm just going to watch and learn. Yeah, well, those three, that holy trinity of broadcasting mm. and glittery showbiz come together. Yeah, I'm not sure they should be, all be allowed in the same room. Well, they won't be, will they? Um, just two at a time. No, it will only be two at a time because it's just the sheer amount of ego, you mean. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it is, it's an issue. I mean, I Talent, think, I was going to say talent, you said no, ego. I think health and safety will be consulted <laughs> because we were talking quite a lot about air pollution mm. and there'll be, certainly be some hot air next week. Do you think, like some of the guests you've had on the show, that they'll ask for a special entrance to the building? Oh, I would have thought there already is a building entrance yeah. to most <laughs> significant buildings in London. So, If not, there will be soon. Yeah, yeah And plaques. There very much will be soon. <laughs> that takes me back to the PR who wanted a special entrance for her talent not exactly. that long ago. Yes, anyway, let's move that. But back to your holiday. Yes, my holiday. Uh, yes, well, it was a, I was going to say, I'm very fortunate, it was a very uncomplicated sunshine break. Oh, the, you don't get many of those anymore. No, I mean, nothing went wrong. Um, it was in the Algarve, which is a part of, um, I think, a very strange gesture on the part of the Portuguese, but they've named a part of their country after my sister, Alison, <laughs> and it's really nice. And I tried to pose for a hilarious photo in Duty Free on the way back because it's got um, a big, big poster at Faro Airport with unforgettable Algarve. So I'd just been to get some big lumps of uh, milker 
you, know, you can get three for 12 euros. It's always the last thing I do whenever I leave any foreign part um, is get the milk. And I'm standing there with my milker and I got one of the kids to try to take a picture of me that from a certain angle had me and then in the background forgettable garb. <laughs> and she did do it and it's not bad. But it's not nearly funny enough or mm. I've told the story now. So it needs it's to not do much a, of a story. <laughs> a little bit of post-production work needed. So I sent it to a friend and she sort of dutifully sent the hilarious laughing emoji back. <laughs> I don't think she really understood why I'd done it. And mum said, I sent it to my mum and she just wrote back, that's nice. So, yeah, maybe that didn't quite work. But didn't anyway, quite fly. Anyway, you no, tried. I did try and I'm always trying. Um, you're not known for loving no, travel. I don't. So, but you seem... As if you had a nice time. Oh, no, because I, I don't want to do anything once I get there. Mm. I'm so relieved when I get there. We had a very, uh, well, an unf another unforgettable, an unforgettable element was that we went watch the Women's World Cup final in a bar in the local town on the Sunday morning. And it was a love. there was genuinely a lovely atmosphere. Some, I've got to be honest, some rather nervous English tourists mm. gathered. We were all so tense so keyed up and obviously we'd all booked the holidays ages ago long before we knew the date implication and actually it was really heartening to get a load of English tourists in a bar in Portugal keyed up for an English women's football match yeah. against Spain mm. and I've got to be with I, honest with you I, I thought it was written in the stars that England were going to win I didn't really have any doubt until mm. the match kicked off yeah <laughs> and then it was quite quick wasn't it well, I was watching it in Madrid as were you? Yeah. Oh, what, what was that like? Yeah, that was amazing as right. well. Um, because, yeah, there was a good mix of English people and Spanish people in this sort of bar restaurant. And uh, the Spanish were just so good. I yeah. couldn't, I, I sort of couldn't complain about no. uh, the fact that we weren't winning because it was just a brilliant match to watch and they deserved it. It was, it was heartbreaking. It. Um, but I managed to, I was drinking neat Campari at, midday so right. my heart was less broken than it might have been okay otherwise yeah mm. i think you deal with things wonderfully well jane <laughs> you, you really do i was saying earlier uh to my colleagues who may or may not have been listening that we were entertained in the bar by a man in late middle age uh so about the same age as me let's be honest who rocked up quite close to kickoff and put himself in a very prominent position in the bar and entertained us with his own I think he believed helpful commentary. But there wasn't anyone in that bar who didn't understand the basics, which was that England were in the blue and we had to get the ball in their net. It doesn't actually require much more than that, but this guy felt the need to do his own commentary. Was that because you were having to listen in Portuguese? And he no, was no, we had that... BBC One. Oh, yeah, BBC One. We oh. had Gabby and the gang, yeah. which I love, by the way. It was, it was lovely. Very big screen they had in this bar, about ten times the size of my minute television screen at home, which is much mocked. Anyway, uh, this geezer turned out to be quite knowledgeable to my fury, but also... <laughs> So <laughs> just annoying. So when Lucy Bronze was fiddle-faddling around in midfield, he said, um, oh, she's a good player. She's a good player. But too many touches here. Too many touches. Oh, she's going to lose it. She's going to lose it. She's lost it. They'll score from here. They've scored. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, God. Uh, and actually the guy was, his, his comments were unfailingly accurate throughout the match. Oh, how infuriating. Yeah, which meant you couldn't Ugh. you couldn't turn around and say, well, you shut up, you don't know anything, because no. he actually did, but none uh. of us were in the mood to hear it. Someone should just locked him in the toilets. I know. And actually, yeah. to my shame, I didn't even see Spain, I didn't stay to see Spain lift the cup. Did you not? No. I, well, you I, miss an epic snog, as well, you know. I, I know. I mean, and that's the other really pathetic mm. thing 
that this wonderful thing with you in a bar filled with people in Spain and me in Portugal watching women play sport yeah. has been completely overshadowed. By a man who can't keep his hands or his mouth to himself. And he's asked for his bloody mother. Well, I'm... I'm Honestly, I do think that... No, Jane, really. I mean, it's a sign of true commitment from a mother. I mean, if there's anything you your daughters aren't going through that you don't go on hunger strike for, I mean, you're just not trying hard enough. If either of my children <laughs> behaved in that way, I would be ashamed, as she should be. And, of course, now I'm doing the terrible thing of blaming a woman for the <laughs> antics of a man, which is the thing I always you know, guard against because I don't think you should ever do it. But... It, it has been... Absolutely extraordinary. And that that was just a plot twist this morning that I just, okay. even I couldn't have predicted. <laughs> it's, it's a classic. <laughs> just, it's a brilliantly Spanish plot twist. Yeah. It, it's but a, I got a hunger strike in a church. Yeah. <laughs> yes, watched over by the Virgin herself. As you go, I mean, presumably, because it'll be a Catholic church, won't yes. it? So, yes, yeah. So, um, sad, that was sad, yeah. obviously, watching the football, but also brilliant and a happy memory in many ways, actually. Well, I do wonder whether, I mean, it's a horrible situation for the Spanish team, but it is hopefully going to bring about, A, they're looking to sack the coach now, Surely finally, he, yeah, because yeah. he was applauding, yeah. um, you know, and, and the, obviously we know it was, Half the team resigned, you know, before yeah. the World Cup because so of him. Their, their team but must be really good when they've got. Their, I know their they've best got they've players. got two loads of two <laughs> loads of World Cup winning players, but but he was probably not going to get sacked because they no. won. Yeah. So this maybe they clear house a bit. Perhaps Spain is finally maybe accept that mm. such extreme machismo is maybe not acceptable in twenty twenty three. But I don't know. Do you think... Um, Maybe I should moderate my hopes. Oh, yeah, I think you perhaps might have to mm. moderate them. But also perhaps it tells us that we as a country have progressed a bit further. Yeah. Although you look at the comments, some no. people are cap still capable of making, and I'm not entirely convinced of that. But anyway... Um, I don't think I've ever heard false feminism used in this country in my lifetime. So I think we are perhaps... Mm. We could be... Please, we're a little bit further ahead. What has been really great is I think the way the England team have conducted themselves around mm. this has been as classy as everything else they've Absolutely. done. Absolutely. And I think yeah. that's that's really very important that we note it. You know, they've actually come out and said, well, Spain, should, we, they will, they won and we, mm. should, you know, we should congratulate them for it and we shouldn't be talking about this. So I think they've been brilliant. They've been absolutely yeah. gracious every step of the way, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. My big concern now is I checked online to see whether Mary Earps was the favourite for Sports Personality of the Year. And she's up there, but the current favourite is a man. I think we can definitely do something well, about that between saying. the two of us. Well, it's basically, it calls for every single right-thinking woman and man to take to the voting on the night of the Sports Personality of the Year. Vote 150 times if you have to, to make sure that she wins. Yeah. I mean, obviously ask your mum and dad before you make the Oh, sorry, calls, I will. Yeah. I will ask my mum and dad, yeah. <laughs> but vote 150 you're, times. You're very sensible. <laughs> Thank you for putting me back on the straight and narrow. Um, and our guest uh, today in Off Air is such, such a, just I mean, remarkable is an overused adjective, but Martine Wright is uh, a survivor of the 7-7 bombings. She was the most seriously injured woman uh, to survive that terrorist attack on that unforgettable, terrible day in the July of 2005. And uh, she'll just talk to us, or talk to me rather, about what her recovery has been like and about her attitude to life, which I've got to say is is, is impeccable. And if, you, I mean, we all have days where we just think, oh, woe is me. Well, you know, half an hour listening to Martine Wright and you may think slightly differently. So that's a little bit later. But 
thank you very much for all the emails that have come in to Jane and Fee at times.radio. And I just wanted to bring, what do you think about this, Jane? I'm just going to throw this one at you. I don't know if you saw this. This is about the holiday encounter on a plane. Yeah. You see this? I did see that. Uh, we'll keep it anonymous just in case, but there's no real reason to, but we don't need to mention your name. But thank you for this story. Last Thursday, I returned with my family from our annual holiday to Greece. We boarded our busy early evening BA flight at Athens and made our way slowly down the crowded aisle. When, what should I see, crouched furtively in the window seat of the very last row, right next to the loose in economy. <laughs> He's a cheapskate, isn't he? But the tousled blonde head of someone familiar. It can't be. But when I look closer, other elements of a familiar cast assembled like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Carrie, Wilf, more small children, a nanny, many large toys, and then some beefy, blank-faced minders. I think that's possibly a little bit unfair. I mean, they're at work. But they're not supposed to be enjoying themselves, those guys. Um, sitting in the wafts of Jay's fluid, cheap seats that no one ever wants to occupy. I thought it absolutely cannot be, but it was. The pilot then made the unwelcome announcement that we'd not be taking off for at least 90 minutes owing to thunderstorms across Europe which in the circumstances seemed apt, says our correspondent. The children became fractious, tensions rose, and the queues for the loos lengthened, while the blonde head stayed resolutely bent out of sight for two long hours. Eventually the flight took off, and as darkness fell at 36,000 feet, I was suddenly gripped by the determination that I couldn't let this unexpected opportunity pass. So I unbuckled my belt, walked down the plane, called out, Mr Johnson! And when he finally looked up, uttered the three small words I'd long harboured, but never thought I'd get the chance to deliver. What would your three words to Mr Johnson be? Um, I know it's only the podcast and not live radio, but I don't think I can say them, even off well, air on air. Our correspondent had long harboured the desire to shout, shame on you, at him, which was what she did. He made a blustered attempt at a reply, but I just turned and walked back to my seat. Job done, and a small victory for one raging grandmother. <laughs> and it felt absolutely bloody marvellous. Do any of your other summer holiday returners have tales of unexpected delights? Asks that listener. Well, you've thrown down the gauntlet there. I have to confess that I did see uh, our former Prime Minister and his now wife um, at the final of the Euros 2020, and I might have accidentally made a gesture. Did in you? the direction. Okay. What, Maybe. What, just a wave? <laughs> yeah, it was It was a special wave. A special Jane Mulcairn. <laughs> the Mulcairn's wave, as it's known. It was just an involuntary reaction. You know, we'd recently scored that first goal. Yeah. And um, you and wanted... I yeah. wanted to just make sure Boris had seen it. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I, I hugely admire the actions of that individual. And it's quite a classy way to behave. It's a very classy so way to behave. So didn't say anything offensive. No. And it was aimed at him rather than the family, who absolutely don't deserve any of that. That's their, you know, they're private citizens as far as that. Although I think Carrie Johnson does put the kiddies out on the Insta, doesn't she? Although you don't see their faces, to be fair. Um, it's lots of kind of bucolic, idle images which um, but that that's her decision a lot to of towel hair yes all of that uh so i guess you could argue that she's making herself a little bit more public than perhaps some of us might um but i do think that's a good thing to do just get it out of your system 
And, I just bet she had the best holiday. Uh, well, it just, sounds, sounds uh, like it. What just, a way to end it. Absolutely. I suppose we can't get at him for being an economy because if he'd been in... First his, class. Yeah, mm. then we'd have had a view... I just really liked that he was right by the loose. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Although, to be honest, I was on EasyJet and I was very close to the lavatories as well. Mm. Yeah. Because I don't really understand how you choose your seat. <laughs> <laughs> so I just take whatever they give me. And it's usually the loose. And it's usually yeah. right at the back yeah. by the loose. But anyway, I don't care. <laughs> uh, so the big thing, great thing about a hotel was, I'll just say this one thing about it, uh, was that every afternoon there'd be a poolside snack provided by the staff. Oh, how lovely. And it was wonderful because it was different every day. So one day was a fruit kebab. Uh, the next day, mini cornetto. Oh. Only mini. Uh, and then a custard tart, because it was Portugal. Mm -hmm. And then a donut. And that was the day that we got the donut. I thought it was going to be a custard tart again. Mm. And w no, because I wanted a donut. Uh, and so when it came and I, so I, I said to my kids, there ought to be a word to describe, there probably is in German, a word to describe how you feel when you think you're getting a custard tart, but you end up with a donut. <laughs> I don't know what that word would be, but somebody somewhere will be able to come up with oh, one. We've definitely got correspondents in Germany who would know the answer. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> and what yeah. time was this snack Well, this is the interesting thing, because it used to come at anywhere between 4.20 and 4.45. <laughs> So you wouldn't so, want to nip for a shower, would you? I, we didn't. It. No, no, we didn't. We didn't go in the pool. We didn't move. <laughs> uh, because there's something about it. doesn't matter who you are or where you are. There's something about the thrill of getting something for free. Oh, absolutely. It just knocks your socks off. Yeah. yeah. Bonus courses, as my friend calls them. Absolutely. You know, when you're at your restaurant and, yeah, just get a little amuse-bouche. Yes. They're the best bits. A scotch egg. Yeah. That's, that's an amuse-bouche. Um, Depends on the size. Well, I don't know. <laughs> just, I think it is. Oh, no, this, every, I fight a battle in every hotel I get to where, because I do like the old breakfast buffet and, you know, you heap your plate up and you think, I won't need anything now till dinner. And then you see other people eating chips and a toasty at and three o'clock and you think, well, I may as well, it seems silly not to really. Mm. Anyway, had a lovely time. That was a long answer, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I like the sound of, is there a Portuguese name for that little afternoon snack? I don't think so. No. But again, there so might like be. It's like an Italian sort of aperitivo. Yeah, perhaps there is. Mm. Um, Portugal is one of those places that we, I mean, we go on holiday, but to my shame, I don't know very much about Portugal. Um, I remember learning in history that it was England's, Longest-serving ally. Yeah, I mean they were very good at slavery and trade, like we were. Oh, you okay. know, us, them, and the Dutch, right. pretty much in you all. know yeah. three-way World Cup tie for, for the being... best at slavery and trading. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's something to be proud of. Well, mm, uh, well, it's not, is it? <laughs> no. But, uh, but um, it's, it is a country that I'm afraid I don't know enough about. But I do mm. like like visiting a lot. So I know a lot of people who've moved there in recent years because it's um, they've got a really a sort of positive attitude towards economic migration now. So yes. they, they these golden visas that you can go and get and live in Lisbon and go surfing in the morning and then yes. just, you know, do your remote working in the afternoon. Apparently Lisbon is a massive hotspot for mm. remote working, isn't it? Yeah. Because, because of the proximity of a beach. And, mm -hmm. Yes, it is a lovely city, mm. Lisbon. And they've also just made a real point of getting people to go and invest there because, mm. it, you know, it wasn't very wealthy for a long time. Mm. So lots of my friends have moved from 
Berlin, Ibiza, places like that, to Portugal. So it's definitely on the up. Right. Mm. Well, I mean, and now I've I mean, been... if they can give out free donuts. I mean, if they're, circ- <laughs> if they're circulating with a basket of free donuts, then they're doing all right. Right. And um, what email has attracted your attention? Um. So this is from a correspondent in the US. She says, as a Brit living in the US, and not just in the US, but in the South, I often think to write in and comment on the topics you discuss, but then life gets in the way and I feel like you've probably moved on. However, apropos of nothing, which I always think is the best reason, um, she said she feels the need to ask for our least favourite word. So, correspondent says, hers is fine. How was your meal? Fine. Yeah. Do you know, Did think... you have a good journey? Yeah. It was fine. Mm. Did you enjoy that day out I arranged for your birthday at great expense? It was fine. She says, is it just me or is this the most insulting response to any question one might ask? I feel the only appropriate use of the word fine is when you asked how your flight was, because let's be honest, if it wasn't fine, it was absolutely awful. Um, I My dad is terrible for using the word fine. I am too. Oh, really. it's yeah. just, I just moved house to a really lovely new flat that's taken a year to sort out in a, in a brilliant location by the sea. And? And he came to help me move in and said, yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but don't you think that the word fine has changed its meaning over the years? Yeah. Because it did mean, I mean, fine is a wonderful... Yes, absolutely. It's a wonderful concept. Mm. And it's now come to mean all right. Yeah. Which I'm sure it wasn't sort of supposed to mean. No. Um, it's a weird one, that. But I think our correspondent is right. She's and spot I, on, I yeah. must stop saying it. Um, I also want to ask our correspondent, um, as a Brit living in the US, how she gets on with quite, which I think is also Mm. a bit of a complicated one. Because when I lived there, it took me a very long time to realise when they said quite, they meant very. And I just took it as not very. Mm. So when people say, oh, this lovely dinner that you've spent hours slaving over, it's quite nice. Oh, you look quite good. I just, I mean, I used to get very, very huffy about it until I realised they meant very Right. Complicated. It is. Separated by a common language. Yeah, no, well, completely. But that is a really interesting point. I'm going to stop saying, I'm going to stop saying it. It's a way to end a query, isn't it? You know, (laughs) because if somebody does say, how are you? And you tell them, fine, that's it. Yeah. Because they don't really want to know, do they? I'm still laughing about the fact that Matt Chorley told me today that he cuts his own hair. I (laughs) I thought, well, Yes. That's fine. I mean, I've added him to my list. Steve Wright does his own dentistry. Matt Chorley cuts his own hair. I mean, I can't imagine that um, anybody how else would do, take... How did you do the back bit? He wasn't very specific. I mean, I, it was all in a conversation that was mainly about his book, um, which did look rather good, by the way. Yeah. Slightly to my annoyance. I must get rid of the jealousy thing, but I can't. You've got a book. Yeah, but it, his is really nice looking book and it'll probably sell loads but you don't cut your own hair so no somebody else takes responsibility for this debbie doesn't listen so that's all right (laughs) i can mention her um erin says um i expect the topic of the women's world cup will come up at some point and i wanted to share some of my musings musings with you um i wish people would stop comparing the women's world cup with the men's you can't as a woman who enjoyed a lot of sport as a child and an adult, ran sports clubs and have four now adult children who all enjoy sport, I'm a fan of almost 
all sports. However, the Men's World Cup and the Women's World Cup are completely different. I don't think there are many women who would say that women's teams are as strong or as fast as the men's, nor could they beat the men. However, that doesn't mean that we can't celebrate their achievements equally. We wouldn't hold uh, Zarnell Hughes in higher regard than Dina Asher-Smith, just because he is faster and stronger. However, we can compare some elements of the men's and women's competitions. When Spain won, not for one minute did I start to worry about the reaction of the fans and whether or not there would be trouble. Mm, this is always yes, yeah, such a good point. Really this good is point. Always my first thought after every England men's game. Uh, and two, women can be themselves in women's football if they are LGBTQ plus. Nobody seems to care, mm. and this is still not the case for men. Another really really good point. Point. Um, I asked Beth Mead about that when I interviewed her last year. Did you? Yeah, because you know, there are very many openly yeah, gay women. I think it's the, another great thing about the team. Absolutely. And she just said, nobody cares. You yeah. know, we've always been open. From the beginning, they were open about their yeah. sexuality. Mm. Um, and there's just, that, that homophobia just isn't endemic in the women's game like it is in the men's. Well, I don't think it's endemic in women, is no, it? No, in no. In truth. I mean, I think, I, I think that's the wider thing. And mm. it's quite an odd conversation that isn't actually had that often. That... I don't know whether, I mean, I've tried to investigate this as a topic because I do think it's fascinating. Why is it that men are so concerned about the possibility that somebody else might consider them gay or somebody mm. gay might, quote, fancy them? Yeah, by the or way, just that they're sharing they a changing room yeah. with somebody who's homosexual. Chances are they won't fancy you, by the way, no. so don't worry about it. Um, and women don't care as much. What is the, di what is the mm. difference? I don't know. Perhaps no. somebody will have a thought on that. No. Uh, Jane and Fee at Times.radio. It should be Jane and Jane, but they haven't got the money to change it this week. So, <laughs> And it's nice to include Fee in the whole thing. Well, speaking of which, yes. there is an email here that I'm going to leave for her for next week. Because oh, what's this about? I do, it's, it's from the art of Stella, who's the lady who used to be a stripper, yes. who I know whose story Fee wanted to know more about. Yeah. And I want to say thank you to the listener for writing in. And I'm, I would love to read it, but I think it's Fee's... It's fees to read when well, what, she's back next shall we, week. Shall we file it away we'll with Kate? file it away. Yeah. I'll give it Because I think Kate it's a good right one. Now. She's given yeah. more information. I don't want to read it because I want to hear it from Fee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a book, by the way, if anyone's looking for a book, a banker book to take on holiday. Have you read Shrines of Gaiety by Kate Atkinson? No. Now, Kate Atkinson. I do love a bit of Kate Atkinson. Well, I, I do like her, but I find I have to concentrate. <laughs> and so to my shame... I often don't read her while I'm sort of going about my general business, but I do take her on holiday. And that's such a good book. So it's a strong okay. recommend. It's set in Soho in 1926. Oh. And it's astonishing how little has changed. <laughs> so you've got police corruption, drug problems, yeah. and any number of different sorts of club mm -hmm. and nightlife activity. It's such a good book. So there you go. Um, on a... Slightly related topic. I will read out this podcast, this podcast, this email yeah, on the on. podcast. Um, Dear Jane and Fee, I've been a yoga teacher for many years, so have worked with the pelvic floor a lot. Right. <laughs> Proud boast. Here's a fun way of thinking about it, says our listener. Imagine you have a miniature lift in the vagina between your legs inside your body. The this is that I, you can't stop doing it <laughs> I know. as soon as you start mentioning it. I know. It. So breathe in. And imagine the lift door opening, people coming in. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chance of being fine. <laughs> and the door closing, tightening the pelvic floor, holding the door closed on your breath. Oh, hang on. Out. The lift goes up to the first floor. 
Repeat as many floors as you want. <laughs> on the last floor, let all the people out on the breath in and out on the breath out, relax all the muscles and let the lift drop to the ground floor. OK, well, I'm so much better <laughs> off than I was about 90 seconds ago. And if, like producer Rosie, you're really scared of lifts, I, was say, <laughs> I don't know what you do. And often, I mean, lifts do seem to be the sort of thing that malfunctions on a quite regular basis. So. And also has a limited capacity, so you can't let all the people in. <laughs> um, let's bring into the conversation another Jane. There's three of us now. It's getting crowded in here. Uh, Jane says, I'm a 57-year-old gardener. Nothing wrong with that. And I listen to your podcast whilst gardening in my various clients' gardens. I quite often laugh out loud to your observations and quips on life. And sometimes I find myself saying yes in response. I'm writing today whilst in the car on my way to Heathrow Airport from North Devon with my husband and 21-year-old daughter. We are embarking on a family active holiday in Andorra. That's exactly the opposite holiday to the one I've just had. <laughs> it involves, says Jane, walking, cycling and white water rafting. It's your absolute idea of hell, <laughs> isn't my it? Idea of That's your room 101 holiday. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I mean, don't know whether anybody comes around with a basket of mini donuts in Andorra at <laughs> not, quarter to five. Not in a white water raft. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. As we sat on the drive, my husband remarked that I'd been particularly naggy and staccato over the last couple of days leading up to our departure. Oh, Jane, I hope you haven't upset him. <laughs> um, hmm, I thought, maybe this is because I'd booked the trip, organised accommodation at Heathrow for the night before, uh, arranged for neighbours to look after the sheep, ducks, chickens and cats. This morning I took the dog to the kennels. I've taken the kitten to the vets for its timely second vaccinations. <laughs> I've come home, mucked the chickens out, Depooed the garden so aforesaid neighbours don't tread in anything nasty, filled up the paddling pool for the ducks, did last minute ironing, cleared out the fridge, made lunch, ran the hoover over downstairs and cleaned the sink. A holiday already, isn't it? My daughter exercised a neighbour's horse, was asked to check the water containers for the sheep but didn't want to depoo the garden, watch telly and cuddle the kitten and then asked when lunch would be ready. <laughs> My husband took one of his bikes to the bike shop to have new <laughs> wheels fitted, went to a garden machinery shop to look at something we're not buying, <laughs> and then filled the car with petrol and then packed. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jane, we, these two Janes, we send you positive yeah. thoughts. I uh, hear you. And I, you won't be relaxing in Andorra, but then that's not the holiday you wanted. No. I uh, hope you're enjoying yourself anyway. <laughs> Honestly, how does she put up with anything like I mean, the thing is, she's I've been there and it's crap so just tell them well actually she's got a revenge by telling us hasn't she exactly um hi fee and jane a uh, controversial topic here trigger warning hand cream oh, um oh, it took years for my friends and family to take the hints that i as a hard-working gardener love to receive hand cream on my birthday so please can you cancel your assertion immediately that hand cream is a poor choice of gift our, our listener margot the gardener another gardener says socks hand cream homemade chutney all very welcome here. Um, I have to say, I don't love hand cream, mm. but that's because I can't type for about 40 minutes after I've applied any. Because it's like slimy. And yeah. obviously I have to type constantly, otherwise I, I get ejected like fee from the building. Yes. Um, but all other sort of moisturising unguents, 
I love. Mm. Oui, I'll say, I'll say ungunt again. Ungunt. I um, in a bizarre. I'm not link, sure that's how you meant to no, say no, it. No, no, because I I have been prescribed the wonderful product unguentum merk, which is uh, a brilliant emollient. I think that's right. Uh, yeah, Kate's nodding, so perhaps she gets it too. <laughs> She's getting a bit personal, but anyway, um, it's uh, and I once in a bizarre set of circumstances got lost in their German factory complex. <laughs> Were yeah. you trying to find Andorra? Well, yeah, I was. I was actually whitewater rafting at the time, representing Team GB, uh, and somehow found myself holed up in the Ungwentum Merck Farmer plant in near a place called Darmstadt. Oh, in... I've been to Darmstadt. Yeah. Twinned with Chesterfield, where I grew up. Went on went on German exchange there in the third year. So weird. So you went to Darmstadt. It is a nice town. Mm, Very nice town. Yes. um, I I, never went to the factory though. I I missed out there. I appeared in the local newspaper. Did you? No. Oh no. That's a shame. It is a Um, shame. They actually they actually came to take a photograph of me because I was broadcasting for the BBC from there. Factory. In one of the very first, it was quite new technology at the time. This is back in the 1990s. Uh, portable satellites were quite new. Oh, yeah. And the BBC must have had, I don't know, money to burn. But for reasons I just don't understand, they sent me and three others off to Germany with a, an engineer and a mobile satellite and just told us to sort of talk about things. So uh, why Darmstadt? I don't really know. Hmm. I think they was just, you know, let's go to a foreign part. How about Darmstadt? What it had done to deserve it, I, I honestly can't remember. Oh, as yeah. good as any other. But it was obviously a relatively quiet Newsweek indom <laughs> because we did make the local paper. <laughs> anyway, let's hear from our big guest today, who is the brilliant Martine Wright. Um, it's a tale really of just resolute determination not to be changed by something that has apparently completely discombobulated your life because Martine Wright, like so many of us in Britain, in a really good mood on the morning of July the 7th, 2005, because she was commuting to work on the London Underground. And as she says in the interview, she had a hangover because she'd been out celebrating with her workmates the night before, because at lunchtime on the day before, Britain, London had been given the 2012 Olympic Games. A moment I will always remember because my sister and I decided we'd, we'd ring each other and wait for the announcement. So she rang me and I had the radio on and she had the radio on and we were just so chuffed because we all thought Paris were going to get it and they didn't anyway. Uh, and that day I was sent to Stratford bus station Oof. to do No, it's great to do a programme. Have you not been to Stratford? I have Boston? now. Um, but it wasn't like it wasn't like that. No, then. well, that was the whole yeah. point. So uh, I went to Stratford Bus Station, did a radio program from there, and the mood, the giddiness, and the optimism was just mm. off the scale. It was fantastic. And then the next day, there was that hideous terrorist yeah. attack. And Martin Wright was uh, working in London. Uh, she's a very proud Londoner. And she was the most severely injured female survivor of that terrorist attack on the 7th of July. What a remarkable turnaround, though, for her, though. She went on to represent Team GB in the London Paralympics. Uh, She married after the terrorist attack. She's got a teenage son now, and she'll talk about him and her attitude to him a little bit later in the the interview. Uh, She is 50, and she's got the MBE, and she works as a motivational speaker. She does appear to be a really positive person, so I put it to her that perhaps she had always been this way. I suppose I was always glass half full. Uh, I've been told that by friends and family um, to say, except when I'm at the bar, apparently. The one thing that you get away with now 
Jane, and that is when you are in a wheelchair or you've got prosthetic legs, you can't possibly go to the bar, no. you see. Yeah. So I don't actually ask to go and get um, drinks anymore um, when we go out, which is, which is, you know, a bonus. There's always a positive. That's what I mean. Always a positive. But yes, I have always been, I believe, a glass half full. Why? Um, I think that might be my upbringing. That might be things I had to deal with as a child, as a teenager, um, experiences I've had, people I've lost myself. Um, and I think it's just given me an attitude of, you just got to get on with it in life. Well, you that... just got to get on with it. You know, I remember when it first happened, I thought the most important question I had to ask myself was, you know, what was my life now? Mm. What was my journey? Um, and I realised that wasn't the most important question. The most important question we all have to ask ourselves when something happens in our life, and I'm sorry to say, good and bad things will happen in everyone's life. The question we need to ask ourselves is what are we going to do about it? And I suppose that's that's the way I've led, led my life, especially after losing my legs in, in 2005. People who don't remember all the details, Martine, might need to be reminded that you were the worst injured of all the female survivors of that bombing. And your mother could only identify you by your eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> Which, Jane, I do, I do look back sometimes. I think, what was I doing with my eyebrows in 2005? Um, but, yeah... I, I mean, joking aside, I was the most injured uh, female survivor. I lost both my legs above the knee. Apparently, I'd lost 80% of my blood. I don't know how anyone can lose 80% of their blood. And, um, you know, was, was resuscitated several, several times. Um, and I am only here, Jane, you know, as, as, as you said, I am the most injured survivor, but I'm only here as a result of the absolutely selfless acts of people that day. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those days that shows human nature, humankind from the most negative, as in the bomber, to my guardian angel. My guardian angel that day was Liz, Liz Kenworthy, a beautiful off-duty policewoman. And I did manage to lose 80% of my blood, but she gave me two tourniquets to put round my legs. So I know with the amount of blood that I lost, if she hadn't have given them to me and held my hand for an hour and a quarter, I was the last person to be got out of the old gate tube because my legs were just mangled in the in the metal and uh, the the fireman had to had to cut me out. So we did go through different experiences, and I realised that we are all psychologically um, affected different from it. When I had the opportunity to meet other victims of that day. And that was in Royal London Hospital. And it was about, you know, I mean, I was in a coma for eight days. Um, I wasn't strong enough to go up to any gym physio for, for a month. And I remember about a month later going up to this gym physio and seeing other victims, other people that I'd sat next to on the tube, other people that I'd spoken to after the crash of what I thought the crash, but obviously it was a bomb. That had happened but I remember going into that room and um I remember me thinking you know why why has this happened to me um 
And I, I remember thinking that because I was looking out around this room and seeing, well, that person's lost one arm. That person's one, lost one ankle. Oh, one hand over there. Why have I lost both my legs above the knee? Um, and I was quite angry that mm. day. And Well, I think, then, I think, Martine, sorry to interrupt, but I think people need to hear that. They need to appreciate yes. that you're, you, you didn't become some sort of saintly figure overnight. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, we all know that life doesn't work like that because I believe that all of us, all of us have got many stories to tell. All of us have things that affect us. Um, and it isn't a matter of just getting over it one day and getting on with it. It, it doesn't work like that. It is, you know, my life has been completely a roller coaster. They say it's, it's been a roller coaster, but. For the last 18 years since I've lost my legs, it has been an absolute roller coaster from days when I couldn't even get out of bed. I could not get out of bed. That's my that's my dog, <laughs> Daisy. Right. I couldn't get out of bed because it was like I just can't carry on. I can't carry on. To to dealing with it uh, and and I think by comparing yourself, if there are people out there that are going through a difficult time at the moment or have in the past or know of someone that is. What I found really helpful, but very hurtful as well, is is comparing myself to people. So I did go into that room that day and I compared my physicality compared to people, compared to other victims' injuries. And I compared, you know, you can't, you know, my, my surgeon tried to, uh, to try to save one of my knees because knees are huge in, in legs and the prosthetic world. And, but she couldn't. So I lost both legs above the knee. And I think that there's something silly, like in the, in the UK, in a year, there's something like 0.01 women double amputees. So that's how much chance I had of losing both both my legs um and you know I do think sometimes I'm probably due to win the lottery as a result <laughs> of, of of what happened to that day and I'm, 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 I'm you know if I could cross my toes Jane I would yes okay. um, take and, your word for it yeah. um and so as I said that day I was comparing my physicality but after talking to these victims and after after talking to other people and now people share such personal things, personal stories with me as a result of remembering what happened that day. And I started to talk to these other victims. And do you know what? I realised that actually, psychologically, I seemed to be stronger than them. Psychologically, I seemed okay to talk about it, mm. you know, with, 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 with such openness. I don't know. And for me... Jane, I know you've interviewed me before, and 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 I imagine your listeners listeners are 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 seeing the the sense of humour I have, and that's a big big thing. And I think I actually helped other victims through that sense of humour as well, and say, look, we we we're, we're all together, and you might only have one leg, you might, but a lot of these people that had minor injuries were more psychologically affected. Yeah, yeah. I mean. 
you know, I, there was one lady that couldn't even remember getting on the tube. This is a fellow friend of mine in, in hospital. She couldn't even remember getting on the tube. She, she just blanked it out like that and she lost her arm. And I had to tell her how she lost her arm because she was in front of me. Um, and so, it, yeah, so I'm glad that I am being honest about it. It isn't, it isn't life and getting over something traumatic is not... You know, it doesn't go like that. There's lots and lots of ups and downs, and it is a roller coaster. And as I said, this is normal now to me. This is life. I, you know, I count myself lucky in a, in many many ways. Um, but I didn't know this was going to happen to me. And it's funny because I remember a conversation many many moons ago. Maybe I was twenty, twenty five. You know, um, many years before I, I lost my legs. And I remember sitting down with friends one day um, and uh, one of our friends was in, in hospital, um, thankfully just, just broken legs. But we did start talking about a wheelchair. And I remember having a conversation with my friends, which was, do you think you would be able to handle life in a wheelchair? And I remember back then, my answer was no. My answer was no, I don't think I would be able to, as a 22-year-old or 23-year-old I was, I don't think I would be able to handle myself in, in a wheelchair. And what I'm trying to illustrate is that things change. Life is about change. And we all change and we all react in different ways. You know, I'm, I'm of a certain age now. I've just entered the 50s. Um, and my reaction and my experiences are going to be very different to my the 20 year old. So again, you say, you know, was you always positive? Someone asked me that question when I was 22 and I said, you know what? I wouldn't be able to handle it. I would not be able to want to lie in a wheelchair. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. I'm talking to Martine Wright, one of the most well-known survivors of the terrorist attack in London on the 7th of July 2005. Martine has a teenage son, so I asked her how what had happened to her impacts on the degree to which she worries about him. Do you know, I don't. I've just, I have just sent my son off. He's just come back from Nepal. He is only 14 years old and he's had one of these amazing adventures um, with, with uh, a, a, an initiative, uh, a world initiative with the school. And he went off and he, he did a trek and he's helped build a school and seen all these cultures. And 
I think I just worry about him like other mums and dads worry about him. Um, you know, I sent him off to Nepal. <laughs> yeah, well, we had no communication for three three weeks, except for a few free photos. Mm. You know, and I think all of us have, 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 have as parents experienced those angst. Um, you know, and I'm sure we all all experience those angst when he's 18 and when he but, doesn't come back but at, what, yeah. at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not quite there, Jane. I'm not quite there. I mean, no, we all but, know it's not easy dealing with a teenager. Yeah, but, but you will be. But what's so interesting and so impressive about you, Martine, is that you always think about other people. I mean, you've talked about Elizabeth Kenworthy, who was the off-duty policewoman who stuck with you and tried so hard to help you as you waited to be rescued from the wreckage. You've talked about your parents' experience. Uh, you've got an ability to see your own story through other people's eyes, which I think must have been a real help to you. Absolutely. You just summed it up, really. I mean, um, obviously, I quite like talking, so I oh, think I was always thing. going to be vocal about my my story um but there's no getting away from the 7th of july 2005 was a huge part in many many people's lives a huge huge event a memory a feeling of angst a feeling of you know whether it was you know us down there on the tubes on the buses and and fellow victims around us or you know, whether it was those emergency services people that day, the general public just literally risking their own life to to help um, other people, or whether it was, I mean, many people share with me, they were working in London and they didn't know what was happening and they started walking for miles and miles and they couldn't get through to their loved ones and that panic. So I believe everyone has a memory of that day mm. and unfortunately in the sad world that we live in they probably have another memory of, a, of another subsequent attack since but as a result I believe that I I have a duty to talk about it and you know you you said earlier whether I I talk to other other victims and and things like that and I do I do talk to other terrorism victims other terrorism families um that have been infected some somehow because it for me, it was such a big day and I've met so many people whereby it, their life has been affected by it. And I am sat here and I do love life. And I, yeah, I might have slightly shorter legs. I might have, Jane, what I do have, as I, I, I'd like to show off about this. Cool. When I do put my prosthetic legs off, I've got the thinnest ankles in the world, All which right. I always wanted <laughs> when um, I had legs. But, um, so so can, I, can I just ask, I mean, you, your experience on the 7th of July 2005 has taken you to many places. What is the strangest place or the oddest experience you've had as a direct result of what happened that day? The strangest or oddest experience. Wow. Well, I've, I've, I've had quite a few um, coincidences happening in my life. The strangest and oddest. So, you know, I mean, I've done amazing things. Like, no, Jay, you know, I had the opportunity to go off and fly planes on my own in South Africa. I was only telling my my great nephew yesterday he, that we went to a museum about blue whales. And I actually saw, you know, I flew over a family of blue whales in South Africa. You know, you wow. cannot you cannot make that up. But... My life has been involved in lots of weird coincidences. And you know what? I have taken strength from those weird things that have happened because I believe that I was always meant to make that journey. 
on the 7th of July. And as a result of that, it has given me strength. I don't know whether that is true or not, but you know what? It's given me a huge amount of, of strength to, to move on. So um, weird, yeah, obviously getting to, well, number one, being on that tube that day and people might not remember, but it was the 6th of July that we all found out as Londoners, I'm, I'm a proud Londoner, Bobo got me, um, that we were going to host the, 20, the 2012 Paralympics and, and um, Olympics. Yeah. There was such, and such the whole, a mood of optimism, wasn't there? I so remember oh, that. Huge, huge. I mean, that was the whole reason why I was late that morning because I'd been celebrating the night before with work colleagues and had a few too many jars, you know, in, in celebration. But again, weird coincidences. It wasn't a coincidence because it was the 7th of July and it was after that day of celebration. But... The last thing I remember before the explosion happened in that tunnel was reading my paper. You couldn't read that newspaper that morning without reading something on the Olympics. Paralympics weren't on my radar at that point. But I remember going into the tunnel just after Liverpool Street before the bomb went off. And I remember thinking, I've got to get tickets to this. This is going to be massive. I'm a Londoner. I've got to get tickets to this. And then the explosion happened. That's one thing, you know. Then... You know, even starting training, finally I found volleyball, you know, after after a, a couple of years. And we were based at Roehampton University. Fine. Oh, it's near my hospital that I spent a year in learning to walk. Oh, we get to Roehampton University and we're shown where we're going to be training on the campus. What can you see about 250 yards in front across the road? But my window of my room that I spent wow. a long time in, yeah. a long time in, um, you know, whether it's my son being due on the 7th of July, you know, you can't make them up. We've only got one, one child and he was, I remember going to the doctors and it was, oh, oh yeah, he's due on the 7th of, you know, and even down to more recently, the people that I have met, I met a woman the other week, big pharmaceutical company and the European manager came over to me and she went, Martin, that was amazing, that speech. And I said, oh, thanks so much, you know, thinking she was giving me feedback. And she went, you talk about that belief. You had that belief that day. And I said, well, I suppose I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, no, darling, no, I was there. I held your hand. And I said, sorry? Mm-hmm. She went, darling, I was there with the firemen. I woke up the road. I came to Allgate Tube Station and I had medical knowledge and I wanted to help. And the fireman, oh, I get a bit teary talking. The fireman would say to this lady that there's a lady down um, in the carriage that we've got to get her out. There's something about her. We've got to get her out. We've got to get her out. And this is when all secondary devices are like going to go off. And um, this woman said, the fireman even believed in you. And when you came up, I held your hand before you went in the ambulance. And, you know, stuff like that. You know, again, another one, completely the other end of the scale. Six months ago, I'm in um, another talk. And all these people share so much with me. I feel so honoured. But I'm sat there um, and these two brothers come up to me uh, after and they said, we've got something to tell you, Martin. Um, and I, I said, right. And, and, and they said, yeah, we, we, 
we're from a family that we have arranged marriages. And um, in 2008, when we were younger, we went up to a friend of a family in Birmingham and uh, we potentially were, were meeting our future brides or potentially could meet our future brides. And we went to this uh, yeah, house where, where this family were. And my mother said, oh, you know, your two daughters are here. Where's, where's your son? And this family said, we haven't got a son anymore. He was one of the four. Now, these two gentlemen had been sat in um, the Bomber's family and at the house. And uh, this this family, again, Jane, it's funny because you said it now, I do compare myself to other people or, 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 you know, think of other people and what they're going through. And this family had no life left. This family were banished from their mosque. Um, so they lost their son, but they lost their own respect within their community. And so as a result, I do think, I, I do compare myself with other people and I think, you know what? I'm lucky. I'm so lucky I am here. I'm lucky because there were 52 people that day that died. I'm lucky because I had choices. I could do whatever I want in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm lucky because the, the opportunities I get to meet people, the stories, the trust, that people put in me is, I mean, that's just an inspiration for me every day to get up, to know that someone can trust me that much or maybe I've said something that's, that sparked something off in their head and they weren't even thinking of that that day. Um, but that's why I'm lucky. That's why I'm lucky, Jane, because I'm talking to you. <laughs> that is Martine Wright. And um, obviously, as you, you'll hear towards the end of that interview, what happened to that day is is never that far from her mind. I mean, she talks about it, I suppose, for a living. So it's something she is used to talking about. Um, but I would, I wonder what one of her motivational talks is like. I bet it's incredibly inspiring. Mm. Um, she's clearly still, I mean, how can she not be hugely impacted of by course. what happened to her? And of course, she'll live with that for the rest of her life. But the way oh, she... Phenomenal to turn it around. Well, she just approaches things yeah. in a quite fantastic way. Mm. Um, so I was thinking about Darren Frost as well, who we talked to a couple of weeks ago, and he was the remarkable bloke who'd fought off the terrorist on London Bridge with that tusk. I mean, just another truly brilliant person. And, you know, you've interviewed stack loads of celebrities. You know, I've interviewed quite a lot as well. In the end, the best interviewees are... Are people who've are people yeah. who've just come up against some extraordinary challenge. Yeah, people who've really risen above everyday challenges and and sort of, yeah, I mean, have just truly inspirational. Like the word inspiration yeah. is used, you know, willy nilly, mm. but those are truly inspirational people who've just pulled something out that none of us really know whether we have in us until well, that I moment. Don't, I mean, I'm pretty certain I don't have it. You don't know. Well, I think I do, and I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she. She. I really enjoyed talking to her, and I hope she's okay. And um, I know that she is someone who would reach out for help if she found mm. herself needing it. But um, she is just. She is just incredible. So thank you, Martine, uh, for talking to me. Uh, really appreciate it. And we love hearing your emails as well. You don't have to be called Jane, although this week it helps. Uh, Jane and <laughs> they Fish. will go to the top of the pile. Yeah, they will. Inevitably. So maybe just call yourself Jane for the week. Why not? Uh, Jane. And 
Stephen Fee at times.radio. Lots of stuff we haven't been able to get to today, but we will shoehorn as many emails as we can into tomorrow's podcast and indeed Thursday's as well. And tomorrow, the big guest will be Maggie Alfonsi, who is an ITV Rugby Union pundit. She'll feature, I know, throughout their coverage of the Men's Rugby Union World Cup, which a lot of people care passionately about, which starts in a week or so. England won't be winning uh, the Men's Rugby Union World Cup. Do you shout out for Ireland in these tournaments? No, I know. I should I, I was born in England. Yeah, so Ireland are much better. I, I shout out for Ireland if England aren't in it. Well, they won't be in it for long, no, so you can shout out, shout out for Ireland. <laughs> so that's fine. So, yeah. no, Maggie did win, we should say, the World Cup for, for the women's team, so she knows a thing or two. So it'd be interesting to get her take on that. And also, she had lost in a couple of World Cup finals mm. before she won it. So, so she'll know how the lioness is yeah, feeling. Yeah, so she really will. Mm. So that's tomorrow. So looking forward to that. Um, any exciting social plans? Uh, well, I'm going to my new seaside home this evening. So have you settled uh, in? Yeah, very much. Yes, I am. Um... If you are a neighbour of Jane Mulcairn's. <laughs> well, you'll have shut me over the weekend and when you... I had people round late well, if you're a neighbour of mine. That's what I'm saying. And <laughs> yeah. you'd like to write in confidence to me. Uh, I can be reached. Um I And I'm feeling pretty smug about my life choices. I went for a swim in the sea this morning before work. I know. That's that, I know. I am quite. No, I'm a bit jealous. Yeah. Even though you don't really believe in swimming. No, I do. I mean, I swam. Um, did I swim? I got in the pool <laughs> <laughs> with the donut, holding may it aloft. May or may do you have a donut holder so it doesn't get wet? It was a, not a standard size donut. It was minute. Um, well, I'm I'm chuffed because Thank it, it was a little bit stressful. It didn't? was stressful. Yeah. It was mm. as I think dealing with any kind of property situation is at the moment. Mm. But yeah, I'm very pleased. It's a longer day. You know, it's a long train journey to and fro, but I do a lot of reading. Mm. And the point is, when you get there, there's the sea. It's great. Okay, yeah. I am officially jealous now. You can come You can come swimming one morning. Mm. Thanks. The spare uh, room. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that was Jane Mulcairns. We're back tomorrow. Um, I don't know when you're listening to this, but I hope your life's bearable currently. And uh, you can check in with us again um, whenever you like, frankly. Maggie Alfonsi with us on off air tomorrow. We're bringing the shutters down on another episode of the internationally acclaimed podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. But don't forget that you can get another two hours of us every Monday to Thursday afternoon here on Times Radio. We start at 3pm and you can listen for free on your smart speaker. Just shout play Times Radio at it. Uh, You can also get us on DAB Radio in the car or on the Times Radio app whilst you're out and about being extremely busy. And you can follow all our tosh behind the mic and elsewhere on our Instagram account. Just go onto Insta and search for Jane and Fee and give us a follow. So in other words, we're everywhere, aren't we, Jane? Pretty much everywhere. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com